Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers lost the series to the Reds uh, in a series that all three games were started by rookie pitchers for the Dodgers. One of those guys is probably going to lose his job in the starting rotation because the Dodgers traded for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. We'll talk all about that trade. We'll talk about who we think is leaving the rotation because of that trade, and we will talk about another trade that could be on the horizon for another starting pitcher by the name of Justin Verlander. That's what's on tap, so let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. That guy next to me is Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And it was a very busy weekend for the Dodgers since the last time we talked, Vince. Uh, I guess it was right after we talked last time uh, or shortly after Dodgers pulled off a trade that we had talked about this specific trade as a possibility, at least the, the two guys coming to the Dodgers. Uh, we didn't really have any idea who was going from the Dodgers. In hindsight, it's kind of funny. We never talked about uh Trace Thompson being a trade chip, but it totally makes sense because he's been on a rehab stint and hitting well. And uh, uh, it was kind of clear the Dodgers really didn't have room for him anymore. So Dodgers got Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the White Sox. They sent Trace Thompson to the White Sox, who they originally got from the White Sox back in 2015 or whatever it was, along with Nick Nestrini and Jordan Leisure, Leisure, one of those things. Um, Nestrini was the big Hall in that. He's been in double A this year, pitching really well for a lot of the season. He's he's regressed a little bit recently, but uh overall, I mean Nestrini is a huge arm and with really good stuff. He is the guy that the White Sox wanted in that, and that's uh, uh the big give up for the Dodgers. Yeah, and and I saw a lot of people upset that Nestrini was, you know, the moot or was the guy in the trade for this. When you look at like grand scheme of thing, he was a Dodgers top ten prospect, but you know behind a lot of arms in general. And I kind of the big thing I've been thinking about is one of these where like, do you give up a guy like Nick Nestrini who is a little bit of a project, and you've kind of helped him, you know, cut down on his walks, even though he still walks a lot of guys, still strikes out a lot of guys, but walks a lot of guys. But when you send him to another team that is not known for developing pitching. Like, do you feel bad for an Estrini now because he might not get developed that way? But also as a Dodger fan, you're like, well, I kind of hope he doesn't develop because it's kind of like a weird thing. Like you want the guy to develop and, you know, be a good major league player, but not necessarily. He also kind of don't because that means the Dodgers would in theory not lose the trade, even if they don't necessarily win the trade because Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. But regardless of all that, you know, the Dodgers need, pitching and they need length and the starting rotation Lance Lynn can give them length where uh, it remains to be seen if he can give them good length but at the very least he can go five six innings every time out Joe Kelly gives that raises the bar of their bullpen and you know and we might have seen the last of Phil Bickford with this with all these moves because Phil Bickford got designated for assignment 
So did uh, Justin Brule. So a couple guys that have stuck around, but uh, their time was finally called. Yeah, it's a, it is kind of funny. You mentioned like as fans, we'd rather have Nistrini be a Jose De Leon than a Pedro Martinez. Uh, you know, with hitters, you'd always rather have them be a Jerry Sands than a Jordan Alvarez. Um, it's yeah, but you know, obviously we don't wish any ill will on Nick Nistrini. Uh, the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers drafted Nistrini later than he maybe should have gone talent wise because he really struggled at UCLA with his control. Uh, and the Dodgers fixed him enough, at least, that they were able to make a pretty major trade with him as a centerpiece. And the reason that prospects exist, there, there's two reasons, either to help your major league team or to trade them. And the Dodgers have so many minor league pitchers. And that doesn't mean that Nestrini was the right one to trade. I, I don't know. But the fact is, just the guys who the Dodgers have in the minor leagues who are going to be ready for the big leagues in the next two years, there would not be enough room on the Dodgers pitching staff for all those guys, uh, even if they were willing to go with an entire you know, a youth movement entirely on the pitching staff, there wouldn't be room for all of them. And so the Dodgers needed to trade a, a guy like Nestrini uh, and, you know, whether it was him or a different guy like him uh, remains to be seen, but it, it's definitely a good trade as far as trading from a position of surplus for a, a position of need. And, uh, you know, we'll talk in the third segment today about another possible trade that might go down that would eat some more into that that Dodgers prospect depth. But this was definitely the kind of move that the Dodgers should be making with their farm system as it is right now. Uh, Joe Kelly was one of the guys coming back. And, uh, you know, in the second segment, we're going to second segment, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, more about the series and how the three rookie pitchers pitched this weekend and what that can mean for their jaws because Lancelin is going to take somebody's position. Joe Kelly, though, pitched in the second game of the series and and came in in a big spot and and got out of it. It was it was kind of the Joe Kelly experience. He comes in with first and second and two outs, two outs in a tie game. Uh, Caleb Ferguson had just allowed two runs to allow the Reds to tie the game. And Joe Kelly comes in first and second, two outs, and immediately throws a wild pitch to put the go-ahead run on third, insurance run on second. You know, uh, ends up walking walking that batter. Uh, I don't remember which who it was, but uh, he walked him, and then that brought up Will Benson. Will Benson. I've already it's funny this Red series over. I've already like cleared my mind of any Reds players not named Ellie De La Cruz. Um, brought up Will Benson and Kelly almost threw another wild pitch that Will Smith made a great save on. Kelly ends up striking out Benson. And so we got a walk, we got a strikeout, we got a wild pitch. We got tension, we got drama, and ultimately we got success. And that, for the most part, uh, you know, describes Joe Kelly's first stint with the Dodgers. Other than his first month and a half, two months with the Dodgers, after that he was, you know, he was very good for the Dodgers, and, but always – Kind of walking that tightrope, tightrope. So uh, definitely the the Joe Kelly experience. Yeah, when you look at Kelly, the stuff is still there. And you even he said like the stuff is kind of the best he's had. He just he's had a Joe Kelly like year where it's uh, maybe a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of uh, bad control, and you know it all kind of combines into what it is. Because I mean he still he threw he touched a hundred on Saturday. He still has you know the nasty spike curveball. He's you know, not really – he's up to slider use a little bit and up to forcing fastball use a little bit 
from when we last saw him. Uh, I don't know, not since we last saw him, probably about the same since we last saw him. So nothing much has changed in terms of what he throws. He's dropped the curveball a little bit. That's about it. But I'm sure the Dodgers will bring that back. And then when Lad Slynn, it's another one of those where he's had a weird year too. Like his strikeout rate is up. He's he's lost a little bit of velocity, but not too much. He still has a very high whiff rate on his main two pitches, which is the fastball and cutter. But he also like he has a whiff rate of over thirty percent on both his forcing fastball and his cutter. But he's also allowed a combined twenty one home runs um, and a slugging percentage over five hundred on both of those pitches. So. The Dodgers, I'm sure, will have a couple of tweaks for him in terms of maybe pitch usage or or where he's actually throwing it. Um, he seems to try to live up in the zone with this fastball because it does have that good spin. But it look, looking at the, the visuals, it does look similar to like Julio Diaz where he's maybe putting it a little bit too much in the zone. So, again, with these trades, along with Rosario, along with Kike, you know, the big headlines are, oh, you know, they're all negative war guys. They've all blah, 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 everything else. That doesn't matter anymore to this, you know, to a certain degree. It matters what they do moving forward. And they all have things that can help the Dodgers moving forward. They've upgraded on the margins. It's, it's what I said after this trade. And now they can focus on that, you know, big picture trade. No Arenado, they said they're not going to trade him, so it may not be him. But now there's another name, like you mentioned, Verlander, who we're going to talk about later. That might be the next guy on that list that, you know, improves the team significantly. So the Dodgers have done a good job. If the, if the trade deadline ended now and this is all it was, It'd be slightly disappointing, but it would still be serviceable. Yeah, for sure. We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about this series, some of the news from the series, and dig in a little bit on where Lance Lynn might fit into the rotation. That's it on tap, so please keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. We are back. We want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. We especially want to thank our everydayers, those of you who are with us every single weekday morning, either on the podcast or on YouTube. Uh, we we love you. And if you want to join that uh crew of everydayers all you gotta do is watch or listen every day it's fun for all of us we also want to remind you you can catch every dodgers game the dodgers radio broadcast on sirius xm or the sxm app just launch the app and search for dodgers obviously there's no game today dodgers have a day off but whenever they do play you can catch the radio broadcast on sirius xm you can also listen to this podcast on the sxm app by searching for locked on dodgers and if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love to hear from you in the YouTube comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through email or social media or whatever. We'll give you all that contact info at the end. Jumping back into this series, uh, the Dodgers lost two out of three to the Reds. They lost the first game in a game that uh, they almost came back and won, but uh, Bobby Miller had a really rough start uh, in the first inning, ended up settling down and pitching pretty well. But then... Uh, Yancy Almonte picked a bad time for her, his first bad game. 
in over a month. Uh, and then the Dodgers won on Saturday, a game that, you know, offensively they had no business winning the game. They had only two hits, but luckily they were two homers from Max Muncy to drive in three runs. And they didn't allow any, or didn't, the starting pitching didn't allow any runs and they scored just enough runs to beat the Reds three to two. And then on Sunday, uh, it was awful. Everything was terrible, uh, especially Michael Grove and especially the offense. Uh, Dodgers lost nine to nothing. So three rookie starting pitchers started this series, Vince. I guess we should mention a little bit of news. Uh, Mookie Betts missed the last two games of the series with ankle soreness. Dave Roberts said Mookie could have played on Sunday, but with the off day on Monday, it made sense to give him another day off to get three full days off for his ankle. J.D. Martinez was in the starting lineup on Sunday, but didn't get in at bat. He was pitch hit for because of uh, hamstring issues. He went for an MRI. I don't think we've seen any reports on the results of that. And Will Smith was hit by a pitch in his first at bat on Sunday and uh, ended up leaving the game with a left elbow contusion. He said x-rays were negative. He hopes to be back in the lineup on Tuesday. Hopefully three minor injuries, but definitely uh, not what the Dodgers were looking for here uh, this late in the season. Yeah, especially the one with JD is kind of tough because if it is a significant hamstring injury, now that they got two days or a little bit less than two days to make a move, like another move if they had to, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. You know, obviously they they could very easily move Muncy to DH or, and move everyone else around, and it would be still work. But, you know, the reason they got Rosario and Kike is to kind of strengthen all around. If you lose a guy like J.D. Martinez, you lose what that, you know, strength was, especially with the way J.D.'s hit this year. But, yeah, overall, uh, just, you know, back-to-back weird slash bad series. Uh, you know, lost two series at home now after winning all three series on the road against good teams. So it's obviously frustrating. It's a little bit tough. The offense is you know, not quite saved the Dodgers like they had, uh, you know, the big stat after Sunday's game was that Dodgers starting pitching in the month of July had an ERA of six, one, eight, which is not good. Um, which is still better than Lance Lindsay area on the season of six, four, seven. But again, like I said, it, it, moving forward, we can only hope you know, it gets better than that. So, you would hope that Mookie ends up being okay and he plays. You hope JD, you know, that's twice now with a little bit of hamstring issue. So that's a little bit concerning. But hopefully, nothing, you know, crazy. Will Smith, if the Dodgers weren't down like 7 0 at the time, I don't know if Will Smith would have got taken out or not. Maybe just for precautionary reasons to, for them or, or for the x rays or MRI, whatever he needed. But yeah, we'll see what happens there. But what it comes down to is like these three pitchers and, you know, we're going to talk about which one maybe doesn't last with Lance Lynn here. Obviously, if you go just based off this weekend's performance, Michael Grove's the odd man out, but Emmett Sheehan was taken out one at 82 pitches. Roberts kind of alluded to basically wanting to get him out in a good spot and also kind of he, what he's already done this year in terms of pitching and throwing and, you know, probably more than they wanted at this point of the season. So I wonder if that's the re- you know if they do go with Sheehan, you know, or if or if they are thinking like okay we got to go with Sheehan because we need to start limiting his innings a little bit. Yeah, it uh, of the three, Bobby Miller, you know, he he had a really rough first inning, but then settled in, and it seems pretty clear that Bobby Miller is going to stay in the rotation. He's he is has the best stuff, the highest rated prospect of the three, uh, and you know it seems like they want him to continue getting this big league experience. Um, if the Dodgers were to acquire somebody like Justin Verlander, so two 
uh, rotation spots go down, or even with Clayton Kershaw coming back sometime in the next week or so. I mean, realistically, Michael Grove and Emmett Sheehan are both probably dropping out of the rotation soon. Um, but one of them probably, I, I guess it's not a sure thing. They could go with a six-man rotation for the next little bit if they didn't acquire another starter at the deadline. And until Kershaw comes back, they could let everybody go another time through. But uh, Michael Grove has already pitched out of the bullpen some in the big leagues. Uh, and Dave Roberts mentioned that as a factor. But like you said, Sheehan, his, his workload is something that they are cognizant of. And uh, neither of them has really grabbed the spot and said, I deserve this spot. You know, Sheehan pitched really well. He he pitched well in his first start, obviously didn't get, allow any hits. Uh, pitched pretty well in his second start and then has been hit and miss, at least, uh, you know. So go, getting five innings, could have gone six um, pitch count wise, but uh, five shutout innings, obviously making his case to stay. Um, but it's, I don't know. It, it seems like. And Grove uh, had a weird start. He had 10 strikeouts and 20 swings and misses, but he also gave up 10 hits and eight runs. Yeah. When they hit the ball, they hit it really, really hard. You had, you know, several balls hit over hundred miles an hour, a couple over 110 miles an hour. Like they hit him hard when they hit it. And, you know, progress isn't linear for a young pitcher. And, and so. I, I'm not going to sit here and say this was a good start or even a positive development for Grove, but there are things to look at and say, okay, well, he made progress in some areas and, you know, th there's not that much difference between uh, a guy hitting the ball 110 miles an hour and a guy hitting the ball 75 miles an hour and a routine fly out to the to right field. Um, it's, it's a matter of an inch or two as far as location of the pitch sometimes. And so you can't always tell from the results how close a guy is to having it figured out. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've talked before about Grove's cutter, how it is a new pitch for him still. It did get hit a little bit uh, in this game. He, you know, obviously he didn't have the effectiveness against lefties that we had seen him starting to get to with that cutter. Uh, his last few starts uh, this time through De La Cruz and Votto both hit him really, really hard. Um, it's and a couple other lefties too. So it, it seems to me like Grove to the bullpen makes a lot of sense at this point because it lets him keep getting that major league experience without depending too much on him to, to get things figured out on a, on a large scale. And Robert's kind of alluded to that basically saying that he's done it before. So, you know, they probably feel more comfortable with it. Ideal world. The Dodgers do get another starting pitcher, and then they, Kershaw does come back next week. And then, you know, Sheehan can go rest a little bit in the minors and cut down his innings, and Michael Grove can, you know, maybe go to the bullpen and, and work his way there and try to be, you know, maybe that swing guy or maybe a guy that piggybacks with, like, like Gonsolin. I don't, like, at this point, Gonsolin is just as bad as any of the three rookies, like, at this point, the last, especially the last month, six weeks even two months if you go back to it. So, yeah, the Dodgers, you know, if if we'll get into – I guess we can push into Verlander now. So uh, I'll let you make that transition, and then we can start talking about it. You're on mute. 
So I should talk with my microphone. Yeah, uh, we we might as well take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll talk about the possibility of the Dodgers being in the market for Justin Verlander, what that would mean for the rotation, what that trade might look like, all that. So please keep it locked on Dodgers. We are back. We want to thank you one more time for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Again, we want to remind you, you can catch every Dodgers hometown radio broadcast on SiriusXM or the SXM app simply by searching for Dodgers. And with that said, let's jump right back into our conversation. Um, we're talking about the Dodgers rotation. And right now they have six guys after adding Lance Lynn. The When Clayton Kershaw comes back, that makes seven. And if they were to add Justin Verlander, that makes eight, at which point, you know, realistically, uh, Grove and Sheehan would both be out of the rotation. And maybe they go with a six-man rotation at that point uh, and, and maybe a six-man with a piggyback because, as you mentioned, before the break, Tony Gonsolin has been pretty bad lately too. So maybe Gonsolin and Grove say, hey, between the two of you guys, try to take down six or seven innings. Uh, but let's, I, I guess let's talk about Verlander, Vince. What do you think? Yeah, so I guess we can start with, you know, just kind of around the league. So Max Scherzer was traded to the Rangers. Jordan Montgomery traded to the Rangers. So that was two starting pitchers that the Dodgers had kind of been linked to. Max Scherzer is most similar to Verlander in the sense of salary and everything else. Uh, the Mets ended up are going to pay about 35, I think 30 something mil over the next this year and next year because Verlander's automatically opted into next year now. Uh, and the Rangers sent Ronald Cunha's brother, Luis Angel Acuna, who is a top 100 prospect who slides into, I think, top one or two spots in the Mets prospects now. So if you're looking at, like, compensation-wise, that's one way to go. If the Mets pay it down, obviously the Dodgers could give could take on more money to give up less of a prospect. I would imagine the Mets want to try to pay some down in order to get a better prospect. That would make more sense for them. They're not necessarily looking to shed payroll. They're just more looking to get talent into the system while addressing, you know, the fact that they probably or they're not going to, they're most likely not going to make playoffs this year. And it's not a guarantee that they're going to be ready to make playoffs next year um, unless they have, you know, another drastic overhaul in the off season. So yeah, on the surface, I know we talked about it last year, you know, Justin Verlander, would be a weird one to get to LA just for the, you know, there's been a lot of stuff over the years. Um, you know, you throw, doesn't matter too much baseball wise, but you throw his brother into the mix and, you know, people aren't a big fan of his either. So, uh, but yeah, I think it makes sense baseball wise. And at this point, that's all that makes sense for the Dodgers. And if they can get it done, ideally taking on the money for less of a prospect, but if it's not going to affect few like, Obviously, it's all going to hinge on if they take on a lot of salary, will it affect them going after Otani in the offseason is basically what it comes down to. And they were ready to give Verlander 40 mil a year for two years before the season started, knowing all the Otani stuff and knowing that they were maybe trying to get under the luxury tax in the offseason. So with all that being said, I don't think the it would matter too much salary wise. Yeah, um, but the Dodgers do have a, a lot of prospect depth. And so. You know, Acuna, who the Rangers gave up for Scherzer, is a good prospect. He's not, you know, a a top, top prospect. Uh, and so the Dodgers have a couple guys, you know, plenty of guys. I think of a guy like, you know, Andy Pajas, who has no future with the Dodgers, honestly, um, you know, with, with their outfield situation, with his situation. 
Like I just have a hard time seeing him playing very much in the major leagues for the Dodgers. So he would make a lot of sense to headline a trade for Verlander, you know, and, and uh, if the Mets would pay down some of the salary for, and go for a trade for a guy like Pajes or Pajes and somebody else, you know, that's a, that's a pretty awesome deal. I saw one person on Twitter saying uh, the Dodgers need to include Bobby Miller in a trade for Justin Verlander. Uh, yeah. I, I saw I think a that, lot of Bobby Miller from Mets fans. I even saw one Mets fan saying Sheehan, Grove and Pepio or Sheehan, Sheehan, Stone and Pepio. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, I remember back when people were saying that the Dodgers should trade Walker Bueller and Julio Urias for, uh, oh, what was that guy? Chris Archer. So, uh, you know, sometimes those trades uh, that the fans come up with aren't necessarily the most uh, intelligent ones. But, yeah, you know, it's obviously as Dodger fans would like them to give up as, as little as possible uh, financially. The Dodgers print money, but there is, you know, luxury tax implications and all that that could impact their ability to get a guy like uh, Otani next offseason. I don't. I obviously think the Dodgers are very interested in Otani. Um, I don't know that whatever they do here, I mean, we're talking about long-term money with Otani. You know, I think the Dodgers will be fine if, even if Verlander's whole contract is on the books for another year or two after this, that's only a small portion of the time that Otani's next contract will cover. And so they can always bounce down after that if they need to. Um, yeah, I'm, Verlander would absolutely fit the biggest need that the Dodgers have. And, and that would be huge because when you, when you acquire a top line starting pitcher, he's replacing your worst starting pitcher. And so at this point you're, you're bumping, you know, Michael Grove or, you know, Tony Gonson or whoever it is that's struggling out of the rotation to put Verlander near the top of the rotation and a postseason rotation of Verlander and Kershaw and Julio and Bobby Miller could be really, really good. And there, there's definitely question marks with probably all four of those guys, but there's potential to be really, really good. And so Verlander to the Dodgers would be huge. Ken Rosenthal says that uh, that idea is picking up a lot of traction with scouts. Verlander has no trade clause, but I think he, well, his comments on Sunday were that after the Scherzer trade that he, he seems more open to the idea of being traded because the Mets seem like they're not totally serious about being contenders for the World Series next year. And and so uh sure if Verlander's open to it, yeah, you know, he was on the Astros that cheated, but the pitchers weren't part of the cheating. Um he probably knew about it, you know. It seems like everybody there knew about it is what it is. Uh, he came in and he was traded to the team in August, and so the cheating scheme was already already well in place before Verlander was even on the team that year. Um, and you know, yeah, the biggest issue is his brother's a wiener, but you know what? I, I bet the Dodgers already have several players on the team whose brothers are wieners. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it to, well, Verlander said he had to talk with like Mets brass or whatever, which is exactly what Scherzer said. And then Scherzer got traded like a day or two later. So, you know, maybe whatever they're, they're putting out there, uh, might satisfy that there. Cause if it's not Verlander, the options are, you know, Lorenzen still available, Eduardo Rodriguez still available, Jack Flaherty still available. Nobody as good as Rolando, nobody that really is Moves a guarantee to be yeah. a postseason pitcher. Like yeah. not 
they all could be right now the way they're pitching compared to where the Dodgers rotation is, but it's not a guarantee like that'll play out over the last couple months into October. Yeah, like I said last week when we were talking about Lance Lynn, he helps the Dodgers in the regular season for sure because he can eat innings and hopefully pitch better than he has, hopefully allow fewer home runs and, and have better performance. Um, but he's not a factor in the postseason, uh, most likely, unless he really, really steps his up his performance. Verlander would be a help in the regular season and the postseason, and that's the difference. And I just realized this podcast is awesome, even though I have a brother who's a wiener. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Chris. Um, so, you know what? Uh, yeah, bring me Justin Verlander. His brother can come along if he needs to, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, trade deadline's tomorrow. Uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, I think, on Tuesday is the trade deadline. So we'll know more soon. And the way these things go, by the time you're listening to this, there could be more news rolling in or at least rumblings rolling in. So, Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens again. So far, if the, de- if the deadline ended how it is, the Dodgers got better. It- going to depend on how these guys play on how much better um but there's also still that big fish that we're we're used to as dodger fans and that we're kind of waiting for yep and whatever happens we will be here with you because we are here every weekday morning we want to thank all of you for listening especially want to thank our everydayers for being with us every morning join the everyday club just watch or listen every morning remember you can catch every dodger game on the radio the radio broadcast on sirius xm or the sxm app by searching for Dodgers, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince's91. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is lockedondodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we, we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.